This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. The wait is over. Andy Farrell has named his 33-man squad for the Rugby World Cup. And the big news is that Keane Healy misses out through that calf injury he picked up last night in Bayonne. My name is Rory O'Connor. I'm here at the Shelburne Hotel with Keane Tracy of the Irish Independent. Keane, it's been a while. We haven't had the pleasure of doing this, but it must be in a World Cup. You and I in a podcast together. How are you feeling about that squad announcement? taken four years Rod, to allow us back on the pod just the two of us together shades of Japan four years ago and the good news is that we'll be back doing it again in France in just over a week's time so um, yeah it all felt fairly fairly real didn't it um, you had Andy Farrell you had Johnny Sexton and team manager Mick Carney who read out the the lucky 33 I suppose um, I think it was a long fairly expected lines but I don't think you could get away from the the air of disappointment I think that was in the room and kind of etched all over Andy Farrell's face when when it was became clear that uh, Keane Healy was going to miss out um we're here just shortly after the squad has been named and by the sounds of Keane Healy's results were only just came in from the scan as soon as they arrived I know you were on the way back with the team as well so while it's hugely positive and encouraging from you know the, the 33 who made it point of view, it's really disappointing for Keane Healy as well. It was a very strange squad announcement. There was no fancy videos. There was no um, you know no social media activation as such. There was no live stream. It was quite downbeat. I know that they just got bad news. I guess before they came into the room, Johnny Sexton being there meant mm-hmm. that he was kind of had to be asked about his ban, which kind of led to it being a little bit of a downbeat conversation because that's obviously a difficult talking point for him, but it's the first time he's been around, so we had to talk to him about it. But I guess we go through the big talking points. It's a 15, 18-15 split of forwards and backs. Stuart McCluskey has made it. Keith Earls has made it. Keen Prendergast misses out along with Jacob Stockdale, Dimmer Barron, Tom Stewart, uh, Kieran Frawley, and I'm probably forgetting someone else, but the the squad itself was very easy to predict in the end. I think most people, when it came to it, were, were very on the money with it. Was there any shocks for you at, at this point? I suppose, how did your thinking evolve with the squad over the course of the last couple of weeks, and were you surprised when it came to the crunch? This is, apart from Keane Healy, obviously, this is the squad that I thought Andy Farrell would go. I felt all along that he would go 18-15, but I have to admit, when around the England game, when I saw Keane Prendergast play in number eight, I started to veer towards maybe he might go for an extra forward and bulk up the pack with, with 19. But I suppose bringing an extra back probably points to how Ireland want to play. You know, you see the box going with 19 forwards. I'm sure we'll get on to talk about what they did. 
on Friday night in terms of bringing uh, having seven forwards on the bench but that's not really Ireland's game so I can understand um, the thinking behind it and then you have to acknowledge uh, how well Stuart McCloskey has played since he's come into the team last November so um, no real shocks I think you know Andy Farrell you, your sense was that all along this is what he had in mind with the 18 15 split like we've been debating it for a while but I think Andy Farrell has been fairly clear in his head now he could have done without the sort of late drama in terms of Dan Sheehan's injury you know was he going to take an extra hooker but uh, very positive news on Dan Sheehan here today that Andy Farrell said he's already ahead of schedule from in terms of his recovery and that Ronan Kelleher could have played in that Samoa game if possible as well so that changes the complexion as well and it definitely does ease the sense of losing Keane Healy which it's massive is yeah, I was going to like, you know, get to that next because the the loss of Keane isn't just your most experienced player. He's been to three World Cups before. He's got 127 caps, I believe, somewhere around that number. Um, you can check the squad profiles. We've just done, published an independently if you want to see nice everyone in there. Although he's <laughs> gone from it, unfortunately. Um, and I wrote his squad profile and I was just thinking as I wrote his squad profile about how big an impact he's had on Irish rugby, but also in this World Cup cycle because he was one that maybe when Andy Farrell came in, you expected to be moved on, but he's become a really important cog in that wheel. Coming on for Andrew Porter, he started at the start at Loosehead and then Andrew Porter comes in and, and he becomes a bench option, but he's been a really critical figure. He's a good scrummager. He can play all three positions on the scrum, which is really important. As we saw Murrayfield, they lose that little asset that they had. Um, that's a big blow. And then you've got a couple of players who you know will be carrying injuries as they go over and like you know the, the, the news on them is very good but it's a bit of squad management like at least they have Romania and Tonga I guess to ease into it but they also have a little bit of concern over the way they performed last night and Bayon so you've got this squad being named and a bit of doom and gloom lost a very important player and you also have a bit of a creep of god are they at their best at the moment and that's feeding into it as well and from a really bullish position I think there's a sense that maybe Ireland are just losing a little bit of the momentum on it this World Cup. Do you share that? Like, I mean, do you think last night had a big impact? I know that the squad was named internally before that they went out on the pitch, and I think that spooked some of them. But do you think last night's important performance will lead into the tournament itself? Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, first of all, that Andy Farrell decided to name it, to name the squad privately. I mean, we know he loves adversity was the name of the game for over the last couple of years, but it obviously put certain players into a really tricky situation. I mean, you had guys who knew that they were on the plane and they were surely only thinking, OK, just don't get injured here. Keen Healy being the, the prime example. But then you had others like Tom Stewart and Jacob Stockdale who were told that they weren't going to be in the squad yet, go out and perform. So it was tricky, but I don't know if Andy Farrell will look for that as an excuse and to be fair afterwards um, when he was asked the question he didn't seem to either my sense is that when and this is probably a byproduct of having such a settled strong team over the last couple of years that when the first team aren't playing and I'm thinking of Italy in the Six Nations, um, Fiji last November, even go back to Georgia, you go back to that All Blacks 15 game, I know that's going even further into the depth chart, yeah. but when the first team aren't there, I don't think we've seen a lot of evidence over the last couple of years that the strength and depth is maybe as good as we think it is. Now, I'll reiterate, when the first choice team is playing, I don't really have too many concerns, but by the time we get to that South Africa game, are, is everyone going to be on board? And I think just to go back to Keane Healy, you're so right in terms of the versatility that he gives, but we all know that Keane Healy isn't the player that he was a few years ago, but his role has evolved in, in the sense that he's not necessarily asked to do the things that he was back in the day. 
but you know that if Keane Healy comes off the bench, he'll lock down a scrum for you. The scrum issues last night when Keane Healy went off and Jeremy Lockman came on, obviously wasn't all down to Lockman, but that to me is well, a big concern. The scrum was in trouble before that, and Keane Healy mm. got injured in a scrum, so I don't know. You know, sorry, it's obviously concerned that both of them were in trouble, but when Porter's not there, they're definitely missing something. Like it was so noticeable last night when when the bench came on and the senior players that Andy Farrell had put on a fairly stock bench came on. And Rob Herring in particular, it was a much better team performance. It just they looked more confident with Peter O'Mahony and James Ryan steering the ship. And O'Ryan made a slightly illegal but uh, very pivotal play in the la- you know in that last line out to kind of just rescue the game for Ireland. But Herring's impact off the bench was just like Stewart was clearly spooked by the squad thing. It was his first start for Ireland. You know Andy Farrell would have been disappointed that he wasn't able to park it, but that's very difficult for a young guy who's just been told he's not going to a World Cup to come in and perform. So I think there's some allowances to be made for that. But Herring made a big difference. But the squads. The, the senior men's like I think when you've got those senior men I know Herring is probably not first choice sorry he isn't first choice when everyone's fit but he's played a lot of times in this cycle he's established he's experienced he's played in, you know so he's been to a World Cup briefly last time before but the difference he, he uh, Omahani and Ryan made last night was pretty important but you're right we're going to get on to South Africa in a while if they have to go into the depth chart it is quite worrying that they weren't able to perform to the same standard when they weren't there. And the big talking point, I know you mentioned the scrum, the line-out as well. That's three games now where it hasn't been great. Paul O'Connell looked absolutely furious at halftime as he made his way down. He was a, a colour of red that I couldn't quite describe as he went down at halftime. They fixed it when Herring came on and obviously Stewart had a bad night at the office, but it's the second time an opposition has gone after Ireland and the second time they've struggled with that. And you think of the Springboks and where their strengths lie and it's in the scrum and it's in the line-out. So um, I think it is a concern. Um, the the line-out may be less so. I, I was a little bit surprised even, I know Tom Stewart and I take that point was probably a little bit spooked but I mean, Ian Henderson was calling the line-out. He works with him all the time in Ulster mm, and the connection yeah. the connection just didn't seem to be there. Like there's plenty of moving parts as we know to the line-out but um after it was so poor in that England game, you can imagine the amount of work that they must have done on it as as a collective pack last week and the improvements just weren't there. So look, they still have enough time to get it right. I'd be less concerned about the line out, I have to say. Um, I'd be fairly optimistic that they can get that right. But the scrum is definitely an issue. Um, We've seen this over the last couple of years, how other teams, I'm thinking back to the Six Nations last year in France, if memory serves me correct, that Ireland almost get every last drop out of Andrew Porter and Tyg Furlong. And you look at what the box are doing, you look France do something similar in rolling off a new fresh front, front row. And Ireland don't really have that luxury, I would say. Finley Beelham has been massively improved um dave kilcoyne it sounds like is is fit now again but um and it will be very beneficial obviously to have ronan keller backing up dan sheehan assuming that both of those guys are fit by the time we come to that but you can be sure the box are licking their lips mm. at that even even the scottish scrum you know will be thinking that they can cause this irish team problems and um, so it is a concern a few days out from the world cup does it affect how optimistic you you are about them because i was quite bullish about ireland being real mm. contenders for this i still am because they're the world's number one team they've, they've won 23 out of 25 internationals i think they are unprecedented 13 in a row winning streak they did win the game which is better than what england did in twickenham uh, against fiji and also like new zealand are coming into the tournament on the back of a shellicking so there are worse places to be than winning a difficult game away from home and i do need to stress i was in bayonne the conditions were mm. very difficult and samoa played really well i think samoa were a live did, threat yeah. in that pool so there is that but I still think they're very much contenders, but the weekend and in particular this performance of the Springboks on Friday night was very clarifying in terms of the challenge that lies ahead. 
it goes back to the point I made earlier that if Ireland get to the World Cup quarterfinal, big if, if they come through the pool, many people think they will, including me. But if they're digging deep into their depth chart, no matter who they're playing, if it's the All Blacks or France, then I would be concerned. I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I would be very concerned even if Ireland do have everyone on board for that Springboks game, that that is going to be an unbelievably tough challenge. The thing... The thing about it is, like when Ireland won the Grand Slam and like they played so so well, so deserving of it, it suddenly becomes a distant memory when you watch the rugby championship and the world, the warm up games come and suddenly you're watching how good South Africa are. Now the narrative has slightly shifted around the All Blacks for sure, but South Africa looked like their time in their run absolutely perfectly at just the right time. They've got big big men as we know but they're mixing it with a bit of flair I thought Kane and Moody uh, was so good I think he's my one to kind of not one to watch everyone's going to be watching him but I'm really excited to see how he goes in France so the box I was thinking about this I don't know if you disagree if you agree or not but the box to me look like they're possibly better than they were in 2019 because they're still doing the fundamentals but they've got a bit more about them I think they in definitely attack. do they definitely do they're missing a couple of those type 5 forwards that are that were there I was you know when Khaleesi was coming back from a cruise ship, I was fairly mm. quite uh, sceptical but he's come back so strong and very impressively like I still have my doubts about Manny Libok who's very good on Friday night but kicked well as well which was kicked very big. well did really well and uh, you know I just still think they would be better better served with Pollard if he was fit and you look I think th- there will be a lot of lessons for Ireland from that New Zealand performance and in fact, especially how they got stuck in their 22 and just couldn't get out. And even though South Africa didn't score for their first 20 minutes, they pound, like with the physical toll that took on New Zealand, getting two players simmed, you've got to win a territory battle against South Africa. You can't let them get on top of you and play through you. So Ireland will need to find a way to, to not allow that to happen. Like they will have spells, obviously, but you know the winning of the game was during that nil-all period, really, where they absolutely battered them physically. And then they have the 7-1 split that I suspect they're going to employ against Ireland if they beat Scotland. It's a big risk, but the sight of seven Springbok forwards coming on all at once was just breathtaking. And then we had 24, well, less than 24 hours later in the same stadium, full stadium on Friday night at Twickenham for South Africa and New Zealand. And then England's final farewell to, Twi- to Twickenham before they go to the World Cup is a half-empty stadium and a defeat to Fiji. Now, I've only seen highlights of this game because I was in Bayonne making my way to the stadium. But this is a devastating blow to Steve Wartwick because he's now facing calls for his head on the eve of, of the, the World Cup. Well, like, they're in absolute shambles right now, England. Yeah, it was so jarring to see all the, the empty seats when, like you said, the night before, the, the place was absolutely hopping. So many South Africans. It, it almost looked like the game was on in Cape Town. But yeah, I, I watched the game and I was kind of struck by, once again, how muddled and, you know, Andy Farrell has used the word clunky to, just, to describe Ireland's performances. Well, if Ireland have been clunky, I don't know what that makes. England... And I was thinking back to after the first Six Nations game when England lost to Scotland. I remember Steve Borthwick came out and basically said that he looked at the data and they weren't very good at anything. So we're eight games on from that and five defeats for England. And if they weren't good at anything then, I'm really not sure what they're good at now. Discipline was again an issue. It'll be very interesting to see if the siding commissioner picks up on anything from that game. The camera a couple of times panned to the, the upper tier in Twickenham and Farrell was sitting there with uh, Billy v- Owen Farrell and Billy Vunapola. But even with those guys back on deck, it's very hard to to see where, where England are going here. Now, obviously, you'd caveat that by the, the draw that they have, but I was very impressed with Samoa as well. And I was interviewing um, Andrew Goodman, the, obviously the Leinster TAC coach, um, who was working with Samoa. It was like a prior agreement that he had before he came to, mm. came to Leinster last week. And... 
P was just saying how how much more time look we're a bit maybe i'm speaking to myself but like because the pacific nation teams don't really come onto our radar that much you're kind of unsure about what's actually going on with them but he was saying that over the last couple of years they've had way more time together mm. and i think that's been reflected in their pre-season results and absolutely reflected in how well they played against ireland and i think they're only going to get better so they could cause an upset or two i know andy farrell was um was saying that he expects them to to be real contenders in that pool and Andrew Goodman said that you know Samoa haven't made it out of a pool in a long long time and that is their aim they're going to France with the intention to, to get out of a pool and when you look at how poor England are playing and they've obviously got Argentina up front who absolutely hockeyed um, Spain yesterday and uh, I know that's not much of a, of a game but Argentina could certainly beat England first up they're playing Japan second aren't they and yep. they lost to they lost Italy they don't look like they're coming into the world cup in in any great no. shakes but it's still a potential banana skin as ireland found out uh, and in that samoa game so um i wouldn't be optimistic if i was an english fan well it's all beginning to feel very very real the next time we'll see all of those teams will be in france at the world cup ireland leave for france on thursday the 33 man squad named by andy farrell today will make their way to tour their team base ahead of the opener against romania we're following them keen you'll be over friday night i'll be over on sunday and we'll be bringing you Live and exclusive podcast from France throughout the tournament. Luke and Will will be back on Tuesday and we'll talk to you soon. This is an Irish independent podcast.